0: The title of the message this morning is Kingdom Influence, A Kingdom Lifestyle Continued. As you know, we have been speaking about kingdom influence right since the start of the year. We feel that God laid this on our hearts as an important emphasis. And now, today we're looking at a kingdom lifestyle. I want to continue on, in a sense, from where we left off last time. You can please turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. Let's just have the PowerPoint screens up if we can, please. Last time we looked at specifically verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. Sorry, but that's last week's sermon. (laughs) So we'll give you a few moments. I know sometimes you can be under pressure up there. But uh, I'm not talking about finding joy in the journey. So last week we, we focused on verse 42, the previous occasion. And now we're going to focus on the five subsequent verses after verse 42. Would you please have a look in your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2. And we'll look at verse 42 to 47. Acts 2, verse 42 to 47. And here it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayer. And on our previous occasion, we virtually focused exclusively on those, on that particular verse of Scripture, verse 42. But let's read on in verse 43. It says, Then fear came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. And all and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as any one had need. So, continuing with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. What you see right here is a snapshot. Can we call it a selfie <laughs> of the early church, of that church in the book of Acts? You've seen a little bit of what made up their lifestyle. And we're looking at this kingdom lifestyle that we see because there's things that we can learn from the kingdom lifestyle in the book of Acts. Now, just to recap on last time. Last time, we can bring up the next slide. We said a couple of particular things. Number one, they devoted themselves. Do you remember that point? They devoted themselves. There was a high level of devotion to the things of God. We said, secondly, the things that they were devoted to Uh, Number two, they were devoted to fellowship. And I put out a challenge that you would devote yourself to being engaged in church life. Number three, they were devoted to God's Word. The Apostles' Doctrine, which later on, those were inspired doctrine teachings, which ended up becoming uh, much of the New Testament Scripture. They were devoted to those teachings. Number four, they were devoted to the breaking of bread. Breaking of bread took a real center stage in gathering together as the people of God. And as they would come together, break bread, it kept the cross of Christ central in their lives. And I believe that it helps us today to do the same. And number five, they were devoted to prayer. In particular, the emphasis here is corporate prayer. Yes, it's wonderful for you to pray on your own, for you to have a personal time of prayer. But let me tell you, when the church comes together and we pray corporately, there is something powerful about that. How many of you love it when the church prays together? Good. Now, there are six things that I want to touch on based on the passage that we've just read today. And number one, we belong together. Would you say that with me? we belong together in verse 44 it says now all who believed were together would you say the word together now i believe this doesn't just speak about being in one place but it speaks about a spirit of unity it speaks about the fact that these people were one of heart and one of spirit and one of soul. And sometimes you can look over a verse like this and you can just glance over it very briefly and not realize, no, 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 there's something bigger, deeper about this togetherness. And do you know that this isn't the first time that we read about their unity in Scripture? It says in Acts 2 and verse 1, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Being in one accord speaks of being together in heart. And here they were, they were in the upper room. Jesus had told them to go and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, and they were there in one accord. There was this oneness there with the 120. In Acts 4.32 we see a similar thing. It says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. So this is a little bit later on. This is no longer just the 120, because with 120, it's quite easy to sort of have a oneness. Am I right? But now there's a multitude that has been added to this New Testament church, and still it speaks about the oneness. And what does it say? The multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And I would submit to you today, there was something extraordinary about their oneness. That's why it's so terrible when there's disunity in a local church. It is completely the opposite of what God wants in a context. And the enemy knows how disunity can wreck a church. And that's why we have to guard that bond of peace. And we have to have a oneness in our hearts and spirits so that God can use us to accomplish what He has in store for us. There was an ex- extraordinary, uh, something extraordinary about their oneness. And you know what? They were united around a common cause. What was that common cause? It was the gospel of the kingdom. Can you say amen? amen. And I believe that every person. On earth, needs to have a cause. Every person needs to live for a cause. (laughs) Do you know what? There are some crazy causes in the world today. Do you know that you have a cause called Save the Unicorns? (laughs) You can check it out. Save the Unicorns. You even have one called Save the Aliens. And people will give their time and effort to somehow saving the aliens. I don't understand it. Maybe you do. There is even a cause called Save the Crop Circles. And I just think to myself, people live for crazy causes. But people will live for a cause as crazy as it can be. But the wonderful thing is that you and I, as the people of God, we are living for the ultimate cause. We are living for the kingdom of God to come in this earth as it is in heaven. The ultimate cause. There's nothing better to live for. There's nothing better to spend your time on than seeking the king and his kingdom. And it says in Matthew 6 verse 10, it says, your kingdom come. This is where Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But to fulfill this cause, we need to be together. I quite enjoy watching some of the animal programs on television, National Geographic, Animal Planet, etc. and especially when there's the predator and on the hunt and so on, and uh, maybe that's a bit much for some people to watch, but I, I still find it quite fascinating. But the strategy is always the same. What is the strategy? To isolate the prey. The predator wants to isolate the prey. It's the same way over and over again. If that herd of wildebeest If the lions that are after the herd of wildebeest can just get one of them to run off slightly to the one side, they will target that one. They will isolate the prey. And I want to tell you, isolation is dangerous. Don't let the enemy of your soul isolate you. I encourage you to stick with your spiritual family. Yes, there is safety in numbers. And one of the best ways to stay strong in your faith is to be together with other believers. Please say this after me. We belong together. Now say that to the person next to you. We belong together. Point number two. Be sensitive to the needs of believers around you. Verse 44 and 45 says, They had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. Now I'd like to ask you, would you please be honest with me, how many of you can honestly say this is your favorite scripture verse in the whole? Bible. Raise a hand. I want to see. I don't have too many takers. (laughs) I don't have too many takers on this one. Now, just a word of caution here. Don't sell anything unless God has instructed you to sell something. I do know of people that have done this. They have, in a sense, overreacted And they've caused major problems for themselves with disastrous results. They've actually ended up on the streets because they overreacted and they got carried away. But still, I believe that we need to be sensitive to the needs of people around about us. And maybe as the church, we're not sensitive enough. We begin to live with this kind of a mentality, I just look after myself. And if somebody else can't look after their own money and can't be wise and mess and squander their money, I'm not worried about them. I just look after myself. We must guard against that attitude because it doesn't reflect the heart of God that we see in the New Testament church. And notice that it says in verse 44, it says, all who believed. Now, it's very important to notice here that The needs of those that were being met would, according to this context, be believers' needs. Did you realize that? They were meeting the needs of their fellow Christians, of their fellow believers. Now, I certainly believe that we should be giving to the poor, to the world, to those who are needy, etc. But this specific verse refers to meeting the needs of believers. You know, there's a scripture that speaks about do good to all men, but especially those who are of the household of faith. I would submit to you that it is the correct thing to first be looking after the believers in the household of faith, and then thereafter be to be concerned about others outside of the household of faith. And you know what? I've been encouraged as I've heard testimonies of some of the life groups and how they have gone out of their way to meet the needs of people in their life group. I think of one particular group, I won't mention whose group it is, and, and I became aware of how they were really helping some people in the group, and they were helping one person with their, their motor car payment, and they were helping another person to find accommodation, and, and they actually weren't even calling on the church as the the organizational church, if I can put it that way, to help. But it was just the people of God round about them that began to meet certain needs. That's beautiful. Now, please don't join a life group because you're looking for a free car payment. (laughs) Because God can see your heart, brother sister. But I want to tell you, When people really begin to be moved by the Spirit to somebody's genuine need and it gets met by the body of Christ, it is so special. There was a guy in our church who was unemployed, one of our members, he was unemployed for about two, two and a half years. And I can't imagine what it must be like to be unemployed for that amount of time. How many of you have ever been unemployed for, let's say, at least two months? Raise a hand if you've been unemployed for two months. I can imagine that just two months must be very difficult. But this person said to me, he said, John, he actually uh, wrote to me and he said, you know what, I've just gotten a job. Praise the Lord, this two, two and a half years is over. And he said, but throughout this time of being officially unemployed, God has provided so faithfully. And he says, people within the body have been so good to us. I can see the importance of belonging to a body. What I was hearing through his email is a little bit of the Acts 2 thing, and of being sensitive to the needs of the fellow believers around about you, and we need to be sensitive to those needs, amen? Number three, the temple and house to house, the scripture says here. So continuing with one accord in the temple, And breaking bread from house to house. Now you might say, well, how could these believers still be meeting in the temple? Because the temple was the place of, let's call it the Orthodox Jew, and now. These Jewish people, many of them had gotten converted and had become, let's call it, messianic Jews. They had become born again. How could they still be meeting in the temple? Well, you know what? The power of the movement of the kingdom that took place right there in the book of Acts was so powerful that even the temple began to be invaded. And perhaps even further afield in places where they would gather in other temples. I'm not sure that those also perhaps became invaded. But ultimately, the church would have to find their own place, their own meeting halls where they could begin to meet. Because a separation of ways came between Judaism and Christianity. But we see clearly that the early church met in two environments, both in the temple, which I would submit to you is the corporate celebration, and in house to house. And I want to say this to you, isn't that perhaps a kingdom directive? Isn't that perhaps more significant than we realize? The importance of gathering for the celebrations where the people come together and there's lots of the church together and meeting in a home. And I'd like to submit to you that that is not just by chance in your Bible. But God had a very specific pattern. And he knew that there's certain things that happen in corporate gatherings that as the body of Christ comes together, but he also understood that we need to come together in smaller groups. I remember chatting to a In Germany that I'm friends with, Germany Durki from Spain, he said, John, small groups is a big secret. And he says, life change happens best in small groups. But I said to him, come on, Germany, life change surely is also taking place in the corporate gatherings. He says, yes, it is. But to a greater way, a far greater way, in the small group, life change happens because you're spending time around the word, you're holding each other accountable to the word, And so I wanna say, life change happens in the house to house scenario more than I think we realize. Listen to the statement, kingdom life is best experienced when we have both environments, church celebrations and home groups. And so I do wanna encourage you to be connected into a small group in the life of this church. And one of the reasons why we have small groups, have life groups, is because we feel that there is a kingdom pattern and a kingdom directive. Can you say amen? amen. Number four, gladness and simplicity. will not you say that with me? Gladness and simplicity. It says in verse 46, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Doesn't this sound like a wonderful church to be part of? Here yeah, even scripture talks about the way they eat. These people were happy. They were celebrating. There was a gladness as they came together. They ate their food simply, which means obviously they ate all natural food and all of this kind of thing. Am I right? No, no, no. That's just a joke, by the way. That went down like a lead balloon. Thanks for your participation. (laughs) But gladness and simplicity of heart. And I believe the people of God should be the happiest people on the face of the earth. It says in Psalm 68, verse 3, but let the righteous be sad. (laughs) Come on, church, you're very quiet today. It doesn't say that. It says, but let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them exceedingly rejoice. And when we launched Choose Life Church in 2005, we felt to put together, together a list of values of things that are really important to us. And one of these values was simplicity, and still is simplicity. And I believe that there's something about simplicity that we must never lose sight of. Church should not be complicated. Would you say this after me? It's all about loving God and loving people, it's not complicated. Now, point number five, favor with all people. There's six points I'm sharing with you. It says in verse 47, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. Do you think the church worldwide has favor with society? I don't think so. But here we see that this church, Freshly birthed, had favor with society. And I believe that God wants to restore something that was lost. Yes, the children of darkness will always hate the children of light. I understand that. I understand the spiritual warfare. But I believe that there should be a regard for the people of God. There should be a respect. Whether you like the church or not, whether you like Christians or not, there should be a respect because the favor of God is upon them and as the scripture said early earlier fear came upon everyone and so that's what i believe that god wants to restore something that was lost a few years ago a book was released by the bonner research group and in this book which is entitled unchristian what the new generation really thinks about christianity it argues that Christianity today in this world is disliked for several reasons. A few basic reasons, they are also on your screen. Number one, Christianity is disliked because of perceived hypocrisy, saying one thing but doing another, having a morally superior attitude. Christianity is disliked because, two, it is too focused on getting converts. People think from the outside, do they actually really care about people? (laughs) Number three, why Christianity is disliked because of being homophobic. That is, in essence, an irrational fear of homosexuals. And together with that, we are quick to write off people. We are quick to resent people. Number four, another reason why Christianity is disliked is because of a shelteredness about Christianity that is perceived it's perceived as being old-fashioned, boring, out of touch with reality, not willing to deal with the real grit and grime of people's lives. Number five, too busy with things that aren't our core business. The world perceives that the church is too busy with money and fundraising and getting into politics and all these things. And lastly, the, ch- the world perceives the church as being judgmental and hypocritical. This is based on research this is based on proper research and this is how the church is perceived and I want to say to you I believe something has been lost that God wants to restore as the fear of God comes into his church in a greater way and as the kingdom culture comes into the church in a greater way and you might say how can we help change the way people see Christianity I believe I've written here by being authentic Spirit-filled believers. Can I get an amen? Just like the early church. And what did the early church experience? They experienced favor with all people. May the day come when we will begin to see that the churches in this city of Pretoria, Tswane, experience favor with the community as has never been seen throughout all the years. Because I believe that out of that place of favor and people seeing that God is in our midst, The fear of God is upon us all and upon them regarding what God is doing. I believe so much can be done of kingdom influence. And Number six, which is a brief point. Number six, a kingdom-style church should be vibrant and should be growing. How many of you agree with that? A kingdom-style church should be vibrant. It should be growing. And the scripture says in verse 47, And the Lord added to the church daily, those who were being saved. So here the Christian community was growing with new conversions, new converts every day. And I want to say this, I believe that a healthy church will attract people to Jesus Christ. I want to say that again. A healthy church will attract people to Jesus Christ. And if people aren't being drawn to Jesus, then I believe that something is wrong. But that's why we're looking at these things in scripture because we want to become even more effective. Praise God for the many people that he has added to this church, this local church, Choose Life. I rejoice at what the Lord has done. But I believe that he wants to add more. And this will come about as we pursue a kingdom culture in a greater way. I believe that with all my heart. I believe it will come as we pursue a kingdom lifestyle. With all our hearts. Won't you say this after me? God is calling me to a kingdom lifestyle. God is calling us to a kingdom culture. Amen and amen. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. For the beautiful example that we see and the life and the vibrance that we see in that church in the book of Acts. And I thank you that you are speaking to us as a a church at this point regarding that. And we declare that by your grace and by your working in amongst us, by your spirit, that we will see the church of Jesus Christ in this city and in this nation going to all new levels of kingdom influence. So that they will say of the church that, wow, these people have turned the world upside down. And Lord, we want you to do it. And I believe that you want to do it because you love people. And you love people to be saved and come into relationship with you. Lord, help us not to live our lives unaware of what the real important things are. But the important things are, let your kingdom come. And so we say, let it come in us. Let it come through us in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. God bless you.